All right, Kevin, we're live here with Kevin Trout, Vistage Chair. <laughs> Thanks, Taylor, Annie. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being our, our first and hopefully a series of these radio interviews with uh, business leaders and privately held uh, leaders in the industry. So, Kevin, why don't we start with, I've, I've known you now, I think, almost two years, is it? I think, or if you look at my calendar, see how long we've known each other. But why don't you start by giving us a little background on yourself, and then I'll ask you some other questions. But you can start with what you did before Vistage, and then we can, uh, we can merge into what you're doing currently. Sure. Thanks for asking. I, uh, I'm Pittsburgh, born and raised, hometown. Um, I went to University, uh, Indiana University, Pennsylvania. I also attended Cats Graduate School of Business for the, in the uh, Institute for Entrepreneurial Excellence and that program. And I've also attended uh, a leadership program with Harvard Business School. Um, I got into medical equipment sales right out of college. I spent my entire career in medical equipment sales. That's almost 34 years. Um, I spent the first half of my career working for three different medical equipment manufacturers. Um, I learned how to uh, leverage the referral method. I think I, I mastered that. Um, I, I had a really great ride as a sales rep, and then I moved into sales management. I got promoted many times up to the vice president of sales in all three of those companies. Uh, however, it re required relocating to another city. And out of those three companies, I didn't want to go to Buena Park, California. That was the first one. The second one was St. Louis, Missouri. And the third one was Tulsa, Oklahoma. So it, it, none of those appealed to me. And so in 1996, I said, if we're going to stay in Pittsburgh, I got to start my own business. So I started Grandview Medical Resources in 96. Um, had that for 16 years, built it up from nothing and 14, over 14 million in sales. I had 60 employees and three offices. And I would say by the time I sold my company, 90% of the hospitals in my geography, which was Western Pennsylvania and West Virginia, were doing business with my company. Um, it was a great ride. We grew really fast. Um, it was an exciting, I like to say a white knuckle ride sometimes, but uh, I sold it in um, 2011. 11 and it came with a five-year employment agreement i had to stay on and continue to drive revenue growth so my employment agreement ended uh when i turned 59 i, I like to say i got paroled um but I, I got to retire at 59 and um i immediately went right into coaching and consulting so that leads me to vistage vistage is the international association of chief executive officers we just uh, reached the 26,000 member mark in 25 countries worldwide. Um, it's been around since 1957. Um, and it's, it's an organization, a peer advisory organization for CEOs, business owners, COOs, top leadership people in, in small to mid-sized businesses. I was a member myself when I had my company. Um, almost the entire time I had my company, I, I was a member and I, I would tell you that it was probably the single best decision I made was to join Vistage because as a result of my Vistage membership, my annual average annual growth rate was 23% a year. And it would have been more, but my banker told me to slow down. And so, you know, you're, you're, you're exceeding the maximum sustainable growth rate for a distribution company. You need to, you need to make sure that you're staying in that 20 to 25% growth rate. And so 
my business mates help me strategically intentionally stay in that zone. And um, I, I would tell you, I learned so much from being a Vistage member. We have a speakers bureau that's phenomenal. I, in, the, in the 16 years I was a member, I never heard a bad speaker. They were either really, really good or they were awesome. And so when I, when I went into the coaching and consulting after I retired, Vistage came back to me and said, we need more Vistage group facilitators. We're called Vistage chairs. And so I'm one of six of them in Pittsburgh. Um, and right now I run four separate groups. We literally have 300 and over 380 members in Pittsburgh alone. So they're all broken up into small groups of about 15 members in each group. So we have 19 groups. Um, I think we're adding a few more as we speak. And, uh, and so now today, after three years doing this, um, I get to work with other business owners like yourself, Taylor. And, uh, it, to me, it's a blast as much fun as I had running my own business. I'm having even more fun being a Vistage chair and giving back to the community that gave so much to me. So that's sort of my background. Yeah, that's great, Kevin. I mean, you've obviously been very busy and you, your personality, very similar to me as you can't, uh, you can't sit still for long. You got you to be out there doing something. Right. So let's just start. I'd love to maybe focus a little bit on the Vistage angle because I do think that that gives you a unique perspective on sort of what's going on in the in the business world. Um, and maybe just talk a little bit about like you know in the Vistage groups that you do. I you know I'm just I assume this there's a combination of service companies and companies that are doing you know what I'll call product product mm -hmm. versus service. Yes. Um, Maybe in this last two-year spectrum, two three years, you know, what sort of trends have you seen? Like, you know, maybe you know what happened, and and what do you see how, how we've progressed since uh, hopefully we're closer to the end of COVID, at least this phase of COVID. But how have you seen that from a, a business perspective? Uh, what's going on, and what are people doing out there? Well, I appreciate that. Um, I, uh, my perspective is, if you remember back to 2019, before COVID hit us. There was a talent shortage in the works. People were starting to struggle to hire people. There was a shortage of, of available employees and workers. Um, now it's even worse, but it was beginning before COVID. Then COVID hit, um, and I would tell you that the stimulus funds really helped many of the businesses that I work with. And I work with, like you said, service providers, manufacturers, distributors. We have some nonprofits in Vistage. Um, a lot of the PPP money and the idle loans really helped them. And so I would say the majority of the companies have done pretty well. There's a lot of cash sitting in companies at the moment. Yes, there are a few industries that took huge hits, right? The hospitality industry, um, you know, restaurants, hotels, uh, and, um, you know, they, 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 they suffered what I would say um, the harshest reality of, of the COVID impact. But that's not everybody. I would say most everyone else has done pretty well. Their biggest struggle right now is um, business is booming as we speak. We got two major issues that we're dealing with supply chain delays, which are going to lighten up here towards the end of 22 and 23. Um, and then the other thing is, is the talent shortage. There's a big delta between the number of job openings right now and the number of um, unemployed people that are available to fill those roles. Um, I can quote some statistics, but in, I think 2019, I wanna say there was like 7.2 million open positions and 7 million unemployed people. So the Delta was only you know, 200,000 or 400,000, something like that. 
Um, right now, there's over 10.4 million open jobs, and there's only, um, I want to say there's only 8 million unemployed. So you can tell the delta is much greater right now. So it's a huge struggle to find people to fill the positions, which is why we have the supply chain delays. And it's, and it's why companies are not able to fill orders. That, I mean, orders are pouring in right now, if you think about it. And, um, and, and yet they can't fulfill all the orders. So there's, and then inflation has definitely impacted us as well. And so there's a lot of price adjustments that are occurring. And I know some companies have had to adjust their pricing five times so far in just the last eight or nine months. That's unheard of, right? Um, inflation is with us. It's going to lighten up just a tad in 23, according to the economists that we work with. But um, I think those are the biggest struggles. I, what I do see is a lot of companies are rebranding, like you said. They're, they're, they're looking at ways to expand their approach to marketing, per se. You know, a lot of them used to do the one or two avenues of marketing. Now they're really diversifying their marketing efforts and spreading it across many different platforms and spectrums. And um, I see that as good news for folks like you, Taylor. <laughs> Sounds good. Hey, so sort of a quick follow-up, Kevin. So you know, I just was writing some notes here in terms of the challenges. So obviously the, the workforce, what do you see? I mean, you know, again, some of the stuff that I'm doing, I see that also as one of the biggest challenges for companies moving forward. Any of the companies that you're working with, like doing anything innovative to try and approach this? I mean, it's, you know, some companies throw up their hands, but, you know, are they, I know with, uh, you know, remote work now and, you know, just anything you see that they're trying to do to combat, you know, that obviously they, they need people and how they go about getting people? They're still trying to figure out how to recruit. Um, and I think that recruiting is only one side of the coin. The other side is to retain your best employees. That retention piece is may not be getting as much focus as it should. And I'm a big believer in one of the ways to retain your best talent, you know, besides paying attention to them, is professional development. I don't think companies are doing enough in uh, the professional de development of their of their key employees or all of their employees, they really should be focusing on developing all of their employees. I'm a big believer that you can never overtrain your employees. You can only undertrain them. And if you're not devoting any effort or time or money into developing professional development for your employees, I think you ha have a significant risk of losing them because they're going to go to another employer, another employer that is offering professional development. I think that's a, I think that's what a lot of employees are looking for. You know, we talk about the great resignation. It's it's not everybody's just resigning. It's just taking other jobs. And it's not always about the money. It's about the opportunity for de professional development. Uh, the culture is really important. If they leave, if they if they are leaving a company whose culture is marginally okay, they're, they're going to find a company has a much better culture. And so I think what I'm seeing is culture is huge. Professional development is huge. And I see Annie's nodding her head. So yeah, you agree with me, right? <laughs> and the idea is that um, you got to do just as much, put just as much effort and focus into that as you do in the recruiting. Um, and when it comes to recruiting, it's not, you can't just put a one out out there. You have to poach people from your competitors or, or from other companies and you've got to offer them professional development and a better culture and you'll get those people. Um, 
Wages have definitely gone up, but it's gone up everywhere. But that's just trying to keep in, in line with the 7% inflation that we're experiencing. So I don't see I don't see I don't see wages as the number one issue, although it is probably in the top three. It's probably number three. Well, how about let's go a little bit more going back to sort of the the family owns. How are you seeing the uh, M&A activity in terms of, you know, the change or, or companies? Is there a lot of M&A stuff going on in Vistage right now in terms of people buying and selling or is that died down with COVID or people sort of taking a, a wait and see? How, how's that, you know, the, the, not the older generation, but the ones that are looking more to sell their companies? What, what do you see that looking like these days? That's a great question because I got to tell you, I'm seeing a heck of a lot of M&A activity going on. It's, it's boom time for the M&A people. We've got you know, an M&A attorney in your group that, that and there's also an M&A capital advisor and they are busy as can be. We're seeing a lot of M&A uh, questions and requests on our LinkedIn um, networks. There's a, a ton of activity. I think there's a couple reasons for it. Number one, um, if you're going to buy a business, now's a really good time to do it. Money's cheap. You can borrow at a low rate. Yeah, interest rates are going to go up a little bit, but not significantly. But they will go up. Don't, it's not something to panic over. Um, cash is, there's a ton of cash in the system out there right now. Um, interest rates are low. And there are people who want to sell their businesses, right? The baby boomers. Um, it's like, okay, I'm struggling with retention. I'm struggling with hiring. I've, I'm, and I'm in my, my 60s and I don't need to do this anymore. <laughs> I, I'm hearing some of that, right? Um, and then there's companies like now's the time to acquire other companies and merge them into our fold. I see a lot of uh, acquisitions, synergistic acquisitions uh, occurring out there. Yeah, good stuff. And then I'll, I'll sort of leave it the, you know, the final question to you. you know, any uh, long-term trends or tips that you would have if a, if a privately held company is listening to this? What would you suggest that they do other than if they're in their 60s, maybe sell? <laughs> <laughs> or merge or, or do whatever. Any other uh, insights you have that you're seeing out there that you want to impart? Sure. We follow um, ITR Economics. Uh, these people have been around for over 50 years. And um, we have a partnership with them at Vistage. They've been doing speaking engagements to Vistage groups for over almost 20 years. Um, and their accuracy in predicting economic trends is 98%, which is phenomenal. Um, I started listening to them probably 15 years ago, and uh, they predicted the crash of 09. Not only did they predict it before it happened, they said, here's why it's going to happen, and here's when it's going to hit. And they were right. They, even when everybody said, oh, there's nothing wrong with the housing market, right? And yeah, no, they predicted it. Um, what they're predicting for the, for the decade that we're in right now, this is the roaring 20s, okay? Um, there's some things that are going to happen over the next few years. 22, you're going to see the rate of growth slow down or, or, or it, it, business will still grow. It won't, it just won't grow as fast as it's been growing at the end of 20 and 21. So the growth will still be there. It's just going to be a, a slower growth. Still good. It's going to relieve some of the pressure on the um, supply chain dilemma and the hiring dilemmas, right? So we're going to see a little easing of the pressure here at the end of 22 and, and beginning of 23. 2024 is going to be the best year of the decade. Boom times. 2026, we're going to hit a small recession. And if you think about our economic history, we always go through a recession every 
seven to 10 years. It's just a market adjustment. 2026 will be a slight adjustment, more like the recession of 2001, not, not the, the great <laughs> recession of 2009. So it's gonna be a minor recession. Again, um, right now is the best time to buy a business. It's the best time to buy real estate, even though the prices are a little inflated. Money is cheap. Um, invest in the, in the capital that you want to improve your businesses. Uh, that would be my recommendation. That's their recommendation as well. Don't, don't spend your cash. A lot of businesses are cash flush. Don't spend your cash. Go borrow it. Make the bank pay for it. And then you can work on paying down the debt because it's going to be cheap. Um, then brace yourself for 2030. Um, we're going to have the second Great Depression in 2030. Um, we just need to prepare for that. But now's the time to take advantage of this decade of the roaring 20s.